Morning People's Church. How are you this morning? All right. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the elders here. We're so glad that you joined us. We're continuing on in our series called God's Story, the Good News of Grace and Hope. If you would take a second and pray with me and we'll jump right in. So Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for amazing grace today. Well, we thank you for your blood that paid for our sins. And God, even as we talk about your spirit this morning, we just give this time into your hands, Holy Spirit, that you would come and have your way, Lord. Would you come and move? Would you speak? God, would you fill us again, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so I'm going to do a quick recap of where we've been over the last month. This is session five. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made all things. He's the source of all things. And because of that, He has authority over all things. Simply put, God's the boss, right? He's the one who makes the rules. And so we see that God created all things and He created all things good. And He made Adam and Eve in His image. The problem is that God gave a command. He told Adam and Eve not to eat from a certain tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we know that out of all the trees, they could have eaten from any tree, Adam and Eve still disobeyed God. They sinned against Him. They rebelled against His command. And because of that, this disobedience was the entry point for pain and brokenness and dysfunction and death to enter the world. Also, this sin and rebellion, it created distance between God and man. But here's the beauty. God didn't let the, the sin dominate. He said, I'm not going to let it happen forever. I'm not going to let brokenness happen forever. I'm not going to let distance between man and God happen forever. Actually, I'm going to step into the story. I'm going to step into your mess. And this is what God said. He said, I promise I'm going to send one who's going to crush the head of the serpent, who's going to crush evil. I promise I'm going to send one who's going to cover your sins and make all wrong things right again. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And so God, He starts to make promises to a man named Abraham and a man named Isaac and a man named Jacob because God starts to define where this promised one is going to come from. He's going to come from a family. The family of Israel, the Jewish people, right? And so we see that God, He sends this promised one. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Fully God, fully man. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He ministered to the broken. He revealed the heart of the Father. He proclaimed truth. And we saw that he, last week, he went and died on a cross. He hung naked on some wood, right? He paid for your sin and my sin with his own blood. The death that we deserve, he paid for us. And so we see that by the blood of Jesus, we put our faith in the blood of Jesus, we are clean. Our sins are washed away. And this is a gift of grace. It's not what you earn. It's not what you can do. It's not if you're good enough. It's simply a gift from God. Amen? And so today we're going to be jumping in. We're going to be talking about the Spirit of God. Amen. Now, yesterday, my son and I, we had a project. Um, let me let me let me back up. Two weeks ago, uh, while we were in quarantine, and I had COVID. Uh, we got a package in the mail. Nineteen baby ducks. Anybody like ducks? They're cute. They're furry. They're little. You know, they're about this big. They're just chicks. And so we had these baby ducks, and I built a little like brooding pen for them. So they're they're going to be raised up. We're going to even we're going to have eggs later. But they're they're about this big. And so I 
severely underestimated how fast they grow, okay? In two weeks, they have already doubled in size, and so I'm looking at this little pen, and it's not near big enough, okay? So, insert yesterday. Josiah and I, we go out, we have our wood, we have the chicken wire, we have my drill, we have some screws. We're about to jerry-rig this, okay? We're, we're, we're about to make it better, all right? So, we go out there, and we start working, and we start cutting the wood, and about every minute, do you know what I hear? This statement right here. Me do it? Daddy, daddy. Me do it? Me do it? Me do it? He, whatever I'm doing, Josiah wants to come alongside my little three-year-old son, and he wants to do whatever I'm doing, right? Me do it. He wants to do it. Not, not help me. He wants to do it himself, right? And so I give him a screw. He puts it on the drill. I kind of help him get it lined up, and there he goes, right? Like, he's, he's drilling it in as best as he can. But as we start talking about the Spirit of God, guys, listen to me. Often we can have this misconception that we enter into the Christian life by the blood of Jesus. And then you know what we say? Me do it. I got it from here, God. I'm, I'm going to take it from here. You did your part. Thank you for that part. But now I'm actually going to walk and I'm going to do it on my own strength. Guys, this is the biggest fallacy we could ever have, right? Because we need help. Look at your neighbor and say, you need help. Listen, we know that you need help because we all need help, right? We all need help. Go to John 14 with me. So John 14, context, this is the, the night before Jesus goes to the cross, and he's in the upper room, and he's talking to the disciples. He's talking to his boys. So John 14, 2, we see, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'll take you to myself, that where I am, that you may be. And you know the, the way to where I'm going. But this is what we see. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going. I'm leaving. And I'm going to come back for you, but I'm going. Go to verse 15 with me. So we see Jesus, he's leaving and, and this is what he's saying. If you love me, verse 15, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father. So we see he's going to the Father. And my Father says he's going to the Father. But now he's going to ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Say another. He will give you another helper. This is the, the, the context that I love. Guys, this is, don't miss it. This is the revelation of the heart of God. Okay? Jesus, what he's saying is, listen, I've been here. I've been present. I've been helping you. I've been helping you, but now as I leave, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send another helper. Guys, listen, the heart of God is to help you. The heart of God is that He wants to help you. No matter what you're going through, whether it's your sin, whether it's a present circumstance, God wants to help. Amen? And so we see that God, He says, I'm going to send another helper to be with you forever. Verse 17, even the Spirit of truth. So we see that God, he's, he's promising to send another helper, and then he defines who this helper is. It's the Spirit of truth. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have some friends who are, they can be kind of random. Anybody? You're like in conversation, and they're like ping-ponging back and forth and back and forth. I don't know about you guys, sometimes the Bible can seem that way, okay? But let me just go ahead and promise you, this is not random. Jesus promising to send another helper, to send the Holy Spirit, is not a random statement to this group of Jewish disciples. Go to Ezekiel 36 with me. 
Because what we see is that God had already promised to send His Spirit. So Ezekiel 36, verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my own holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. And guys, that's what I want you to see. The context of this promise is not the obedience and the goodness of Israel. They've been messing up. God says, I'm sending it on my behalf. Verse 26, this is what he says. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And so what you see is that God had already promised to put His Spirit within the Jewish people. This is a promise from way back in Ezekiel 36. And drawing it forward, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to send this helper, this promise one. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit is, is labeled the promise of the Father. And so we see Jesus, He's pulling from this context. And he says, I'm, I'm pouring out the promised one, the one that's been promised from long ago. And this is what we see. Back to John 14. We see that the Spirit of truth, verse 17, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him. And so the world doesn't know the Spirit of God, but Jesus is going to pour Him out. Now, as we go into the session today, we're just kind of getting started, but I just want to make this statement. All eyes on me. If you get nothing else, I want you to hear this today, okay? Last week we were talking about the cross. The blood of Jesus is the provision for your sins. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the provision of God's presence and power to help you until He comes back. I'm going to say it again for you. The blood of Jesus is the provision of God over your sins. The Holy Spirit is the provision of His presence and power to help you until He comes back. Amen? And so, guys, as we start to look at the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that when the Holy Spirit's given, He's given for His presence and His power. Amen? His presence and His power. Even right here in John 14, this is what it says. It says, You know Him, for He dwells with you. But what's that last phrase? It says, He will be in you. Say, in you. He will be in you. He says, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Guys, the very definition of an orphan is to be alone, isn't it? Not to have anyone, not to have parents, not to have family, not to have someone to take care of you or to love you or to help you. And God says, I'm not going to leave you like that. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to send you another helper, and he will be in you. I don't know if you guys remember in Ezekiel 36, that's what he says. He says, I'm going to put my spirit within you. Guys, can you think about the mystery that the God of heaven would actually put himself inside of man? This doesn't even make sense, right? The Holy Spirit inside of broken man. This is a mystery, an absolute mystery. Now, one thing that I love when we start talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit that God's going to pour out, we're going to see Him pour it out in a minute, but we want to talk about it first, is that God, He's not leaving us as orphans, but He's giving us His Spirit. This is what, what it's like. 
Karen, my wife, we met on the World Race probably 11 years ago. We traveled around on a missionary trip. But the problem when we got home was that Karen was from the west coast of Canada. Okay, so she's from Vancouver Island originally. So when we got back, we were literally a continent apart. Talking about a long-distance relationship, right? We were sending emails. We didn't have FaceTime and Zoom and all that stuff back then. I feel old, right? Like, so we were back there Skyping, and we were sending emails and letters. And we were doing the best we can, but long-distance relationship is hard. Guys, listen, this is what I love. Jesus says, hey, I'm leaving. But Jesus says, this isn't going to be a long-distance relationship because I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm not going anywhere. I might be leaving, but I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. Guys, listen, this is the beauty. Guys, as we put our faith in Jesus, you are never alone. You are never alone. We always have the Holy Spirit with us if we put our faith in Him. That is a promise. Amen? That is an absolute promise. Go to Acts 1 with me. Acts 1, we see this is a window into those 40 days from Jesus' resurrection to his ascension. And we see them asking some, some questions about the kingdom of God in verse 3. Verse 4, he, he lays out, listen, you heard from me, verse 4, verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And they, they start asking, Lord, is, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel, that you're going to fulfill all the promises that you made to the Jewish people? And he said to them, it's not, it's not, right now it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, guys, these are literally the last recorded words from Jesus before he ascends. And in those last words, he's saying, listen, you will receive power when? Listen, you're not just going to receive power on your own. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. And when the Holy Spirit comes in you, then you have power to be my witnesses. Say witnesses. We are called to be the witnesses of God in the nations. Amen? But we can't do it on our own strength. We can only do it by the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The word power, it's literally the Greek word dynamis. Think about dynamite or dynamic. That's where those words come from. And it, it literally means the power, the ability, the strength to accomplish a task. Guys, listen, the only way we can accomplish the task of being witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth is by the power of the Holy Spirit who's in us. One thing that, that we try to grow into in Western culture is independence, right? Independence. We want to become more and more independent, do things on our own. Guys, listen, as we grow in Jesus, we become more and more dependent upon the Spirit and the Helper that He's given us. So in Acts 1, you see Jesus, he's saying, listen, not many days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And so as we go into Acts 2, we actually see this gift given. How many of you guys know the Holy Spirit is a gift? You don't work and earn the Holy Spirit. Just as the grace of God is given to you freely, so the Holy Spirit is given to you. There's nothing we can do 
to earn it, right? And so in Acts 2, we see the day of Pentecost arrived. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, around that time where Jesus died on the cross at Passover. 50 days later is Pentecost, and this is the day where we see the Holy Spirit poured out. So Acts 2, 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, the disciples. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of the fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And as you go into to this next section, verses 5 through 13, you see everyone in that area. There was all of these Jews in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And they're all like, we, we can understand them. They're all speaking in different tongues, but we understand them. Are they drunk? That's their question, right? Are, and, and this is Peter's response. He says, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and he said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m. Okay, it's still early. It's only 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. It's Joel 2.28. It says this, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. So, pretty much what Peter is saying is, hey, it's that thing that was promised in the Old Testament, it's coming to pass. The Spirit, as it was promised, is being poured out. And we see that they have little understanding. All the Jews in, at the Pentecost, they don't have any understanding for what's happening. But Peter gives insight from the Old Testament to this present reality of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And can we just talk about, guys, this is the defining moment in the life of the church after Jesus' ascension. This is the defining moment where the Holy Spirit is given and everything changes because now the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is inside of His people, empowering His people to be witnesses, empowering His people to live holy lives, revealing the Father to us, right? I'll never forget being in Guatemala and we were worshiping and I'll never forget, I had this revelation. Guys, listen, when you get the Holy Spirit, you get everything in Jesus. When you, let me repeat that. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get everything. Because in this age, the Holy Spirit is the means for which God is giving to us. Okay? So, think about it. 1 Corinthians 2, it says that we actually know the depths and the faults of God by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, the love of God is poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit. Guys, the fruit of the Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit, not you earning it, not you working it up and trying to love better. It comes as a fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. The gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, they all come from the Holy Spirit, guys. Listen, the primary need we have in this age is more of the Spirit. This is our need. It's not a new car. It's not that we can get a bigger building as a church. The primary need that we have is more of His Spirit, yielding to His Spirit walking with His Spirit, fellowshipping with His Spirit. This is our need, you guys. Go to Ephesians 1 with me. Now let me make two things really quick, clear really quickly. 
is that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. We know that we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Even if you go to Acts 5, you'll see Ananias and Sapphira. They withheld some money, and, and Peter confronts them. He says, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Why did you lie to God? And we see this connection, guys. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. But the question is, is we see that the early disciples received the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, right? At Pentecost. But how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 1, verse 13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so we see, guys, when we hear the truth of the gospel and we believe it, that God deposits the Holy Spirit in you. This is how we receive the Holy Spirit. But how many of you guys know that just because you were sealed in the, by the Holy Spirit, you still need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Go to Ephesians 5 with me. So this is at, at, toward the end of Ephesians. And we see chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. So you have, in the, be sealed when you receive the Holy Spirit by faith. But as we're going to continue to walk the Christian life, we need to be continually filled with His Spirit and His presence and His help. And guys, listen, let's just be honest. That the Holy Spirit is God, that He has emotions, that He has thoughts. Listen, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. I believe that it's an epidemic in the church that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, yet we grieve and quench Him and don't actually walk according to the Spirit. I think this is part of the reason you, you see a lack of effectiveness in the church. It's because we're not walking according to the power of the Spirit. Guys, this is what we need. We need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to be filled that we may be His witnesses. Amen? Go to Galatians 5 with me. I know we're flipping a lot, guys. This is a very big topic. <laughs> we're, we're fitting the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, into one section, so I know there's a lot of verses, but just, just bear with me. So Galatians 5, verse 16. 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, and it goes on. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Listen, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit if we put our faith in Jesus. 
okay? But now, for us, we are to walk according to the Spirit. We are to be led by the Spirit. Actually, it says here we are to live by the Spirit. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. Guys, all four of those are referenced right here in these, in these few verses. Guys, this is the way we are to walk. I mean, you guys, we need help in our daily lives. Listen, we need the presence of God. We need the power to be witnesses. But how many of you guys know that I need the power of God to live a holy, righteous lifestyle now? How many of you guys know that there are many things that are coming after your mind and your heart and trying to pull you away from Jesus? They're trying to, to pull you. How many of you guys feel like Cain, where sin is crouching at your doorstep, right? We have sin crouching at our door. You guys, listen, we have a culture that is so divided. I don't know about you guys. It's sometimes it's hard to keep your mind engaged. Because there's so much coming at you. There's so many divisions. There's so many opinions. But we need the Holy Spirit to guide our minds. Right? We need the Holy Spirit to come and help us choose what is righteous and good before God. How many of you guys know this? That in Jesus, that sin has no power on you anymore. That you can actually choose what is good and right before God by the help of the Holy Spirit. But we need His help, right? We need His help to live and walk according to the Spirit. And I would love to tell you guys that I have this three-point formula on how to do this, but it's not so much of a formula. It's a relationship of walking with the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes, we can neglect the Helper who's in us. We actually neglect Him. We don't talk to Him. We act like He's not there. We, guys, listen. We can be praying for help into the skies. And guys, listen. Help isn't far away. Help isn't far away. Help is actually in you. It's His Spirit. It's not like you are your helper, but the Holy Spirit, God, is in you, and He can help you. And so as we start talking about walking according to the Spirit, living according to the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, guys, it starts by fellowshipping with the Spirit. As we see in 2 Corinthians 13, it starts talking about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Guys, listen, this is my prayer, is that we walk out of here today and we're stirred up that we would live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because, guys, this is where life flows. How many of you guys know that the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? The Spirit of life lives in you. If we want abundant life, we need to live it according to that Spirit. But we have to develop relationship with Him. Guys, ask the Holy Spirit questions. Talk with Him. Listen to Him. That might sound kooky and spooky to some of you, but this is the way of the New Testament. That we would live in fellowship with the Helper who's inside of us. My wife was, she's teaching the two to four-year-olds today. And she, she was just thinking through the Spirit. And, and this verse was really, this, she couldn't quite get off her mind this week. And I just want to speak it out because this is big for us. Our minds. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. How about you guys? But I, I can almost guess there's somebody in here who needs peace. Listen, the way to peace isn't for everything to be okay. The way to peace is to set your mind on the Spirit of God.
So probably, I'm going to read one more verse and we're going to close up. So Danny, you get, Justin, get ready. But everybody have a verse that's ever hit you like a ton of bricks? You read it and he's like, whoa, whoa, I need to go back. I can't, I can't keep going like this verse. It's hit me like a ton of bricks. This is First Corinthians 2. If you would, go ahead and turn there with me. So First Corinthians 2, 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. That's Isaiah 64, 4. And most of the time, we actually just like, you might have heard that verse, we just kind of leave it there. Nobody knows, right? But if you actually go into the very next verse, it says, but these things God has revealed to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. This is it, Okay. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? That we might understand the things freely given us by God. Guys, the Spirit of God is there to help you. But guys, listen. The Spirit of God wants to reveal to you all the things that were freely given to you by God. Wow. I don't know about you guys. I like free. Am I the only one? Listen, I believe this with all my heart. We do not live in all the things that God has given to us. We live below. We live under the level of the gifts that He's given us. First Corinthians 1, you're not lacking in any gift. But guys, if we are going to live according to the Spirit, if we're going to live led by the Spirit, then we have to live filled by the Spirit. Are you filled today? Have you put your faith in Jesus and received the Holy Spirit? Were you, were you sealed with Him? We just want to invite you guys. We're going to go into an extended time of worship. That's actually why I was short at the beginning. Because we just want to cry out for more of the Holy Spirit in these few moments. Do you want Him? Do you need Him? Do you want to be filled afresh? Come. Let's call up. Guys, listen. We're, we don't have to beg for the Holy Spirit. It's the promise, it's the gift of the Father that He wants to give to us. He wants to give. How much more will I give my Spirit to those who ask? That's what He says. Let us call upon His name. God, even as the disciples did in that, in that window, that ten days, they were calling upon God for the Spirit. Guys, we need a fresh filling. We need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Let's call upon Him. Let's call upon Him. Listen, if you want to be prayed for, sit on the front row. If you want to come and kneel, come and kneel. But let's call upon the name of the Lord that He would fill us again. Let us turn our hearts to the Spirit who's in us. Let's talk to Him. Let's fellowship with Him. Let's live according to His power. Amen? So Jesus, God, we're so thankful, God, that You're our helper, but God, that You would give another helper. That You gave another helper as You would leave, God, that You would pour out Your Spirit. Oh, God, we're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your power. And God, even in these few moments, we just declare our great need. Oh, Lord, how we need your Spirit. Lord, to know you, to love you, 
God, to follow you and to choose righteousness, God, to be witnesses for who you are. God, in everything, we need you. We can't live according to our own strength. We need your strength. We need your power. And so, God, we ask, would you fill us up today? Would you fill us up, God? Would you fill us up? God, maybe there's some who feel dry. God, would you come and fill us up afresh with your spirit? Lord, we need you. We need you. We, God, we just give this time into your hands. If you want prayer for healing, if you want prayer, just you want somebody to come alongside of you, come and sit on the front row. We just open this time.